0: if we can get that fixed. But you know, Father's Day is something that, that's a, it's a special day, and it's difficult for me not having my dad dying at a young age. But as I became a dad, it, it changed everything. But my challenge is to lead men into being the best men they can be. And you know, some of you are fathers, some of you are grandfathers, some of you have adult kids, some of you are just getting started. and. You know, I remember as a young man, I used to think, boy, this deal's easy. And I I used to think, boy, these parents are messing up. And why would these parents do that? Why would they let their teenagers do this and that? And then I had teenagers and I went, oh, I see. It's a little harder than I thought. You know, you learn and you grow. And, And here's the thing. We got to give ourselves room to grow. We're, we're, I'm going to talk about tips for for dads today, and and just men in general. It's going to tie into you as women, and and you say, well, I'm 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 not I'm am just a woman here today, or my my a mom. You know, this isn't going to be for me, but it it will intertwine into your life, and, and allow you to help uh, your man, your husband, uh, and and the father of your kids, if that be the case, to help you to grow, and so. Uh, one of the greatest responsibilities in a man's life is to be a father. We can, any any man can be a sire, but to be a father, to be a true dad, is something different. And so you you need to, we need to grow in that th- those things. And again, I don't want you to receive the, any of this as correction that would condemn, but as an encouragement. I can look back as a as a now a dad of four adult children, and and say, man, I did some things really really good, and I can look back and say, there's some things I'd do better if I could do it again. We all can can be in that place, and so again, not that we're trying to be attained to be perfect, but there's some things that really, really helped me as I as I grew in in uh, in being a dad. I always loved that story of sitting around with these pastors when I was. Uh, maybe I had teenage kids, and and the other pastors in this circle, we were at a, you know, just a pastors' fellowship, and, and we were talking. There was a weekly group that met uh, weekly, or maybe it was monthly. I don't know, but it was regular guys I knew well. And uh, there was one one guy that was a lot older than me. He had grown children, and and then two other pastors that were at the table that had little, just little children. And boy, they were really hammering on these parents. You know, they were really talking about them. And and I and I just sat back and I said, you know. Uh, we we gotta we gotta we gotta grow and continue to grow and, and and allow God to work in our lives. Well, I want you to turn if you got your Bible, Ephesians chapter five. I'm just going to hit on this. I, I talked about this last week because the first tip is to love their mother, and I think that's something that. Um, you know, sometimes there's divorce happens. Sometimes there's blended homes, and and of course that, that can be difficult at times. But I, I think us as men, we need to be careful how we speak about the mother of our children. And uh, it, and this is this is a, a great responsibility to grow and walk in. If you're married and in a home, and and uh, and you have children, they need to see you speak of their mother in a way that builds her up. I heard one time a man was making this, this, this comment about to his boys, his teenage boys, about their mom in a very, very derogatory way, in a very negative way. In fact, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was plain crude. And I didn't have a place in this man's life that I felt like I could just flat out correct him, but I wanted to just grab him by the shirt and say, listen to what you're, what you're saying in front of these boys. You know, because one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to build my, my son into a man that was a leader of his home and that was a good good man to his wife. And I wanted to build my daughters, our three daughters, I wanted them to see what they should expect out of a man. I wanted to set a standard that they would pursue in and they'd look to. And now, again, not being perfect in these things, you know, I expected them to choose a cowboy a farmer rancher. A, I, I mean, I prayed, God, give me, give me a son-in-law that would be like me. And I'd get kind of upset at first when they picked these guys, and they, didn't, they were nothing like me, I thought. But then I began to look at some of the ways that they treated them, and, and I look at the way they, they honor them and they cherish them and the person that they are beyond what they do. See, what we do is one thing. Who we are is the character traits. And so those are the things that are most important, and those are the things that, that they took to. And it's pretty amazing. We need to love their mother. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I spent a lot of time here. In fact, we, we only talked about this and one other point last week, so I'm not going to go through everything I talked about last week. But in that verse, in that challenging verse right there, he gives husbands an instruction. He said, Love your wife. You love the mother of your children, if you have children. You put her first. I told the men last week, and I'll say it again once you become married, you quit making independent decisions only for yourself. Number one is God, number two is your wife. Number three is your kid, and if you put things in, kids, and if you put that th- those things in that order, it all will be well. One day, the kids are going to grow up. If you train them up right, they're going to become productive adults and move out. And you know what? One of the things that, one of the, and that's a good thing. I know moms sometimes think they don't ever want them to grow up. They don't ever want them to leave. But you know what I've found is now Sue and I have fun together. We enjoy one another. I look forward to spending time with her. Only thing that'd be better is she'd come drive a tractor. she helped me check cows and build fence. I didn't train her right either. <laughs> actually, I let her listen to my mom, and my mom told her when we were first married, and we were just kids, we got married right out of high school, and she said, don't ever learn to drive a tractor. We were still on the ranch full time. I was like, if I'd have known you actually said that, I would have straightened her out. I said, no, 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 no. And and mending fences, yeah, fixing fences, no. But you know, here, here's the thing. What we have to do is put other we when we we are taught by the word of God to put others first, to put others before. But it all begins in the home. And you know what? There's times when men, we gotta win. There's times when we gotta have, we we gotta get to make the choice, okay? We we wives. We we need to win once in a while. <laughs> but it does mean. That we're going to honor our wife, and we're never going to make a, a decision. Maybe we make the decision that's best for me, but I never make it without it, we're independent of her and what it does and how it affects her. There's a give and a take. There's a there's a there's a there's a trial and error. There's a practice that has to be put into place. And you know, in the beginning, man, we fought like cats and dogs because we were both so selfish. But what changed? What changed in our marriage? And what saved our marriage? The only reason we continue to be together was because I began to work on the one that I not—I knew I could work on and be successful in working on, and that was me. I couldn't perfect her. God could perfect her. And the Word, the Bible says, washing of the water of the Word brings her into the place that she needs to be. So my, my, my responsibility, first of all, is, is, for, uh, <clears throat> is on me. And that goes for the wives as well. I mean, you you you've got work to do as well. But I guarantee you, it is it is important for us to uh, to to love them in a way. And listen, it needs to be in a way that that they need love. You know, I have to consider, I have to grow in the knowledge of what she needs. Not every woman's the same. <laughs> There's a revelation. In fact, I've got we got three daughters, and they're all different entirely different and each one of them required different things to make them feel loved and make them fulfilled and make them happy and you know what uh, with my with our wives they're they're a mystery wives are a, a mystery that's something that we are still working on 37 years later I still don't always have her figured out but I've gotten a lot closer but here's the thing that I that, that changed and transformed everything for me as a as a man as a husband as a father was when I began to pursue God How do I be the man she needs me to be and how can I figure out what she needs? You know, there's something, uh, it's difficult sometimes because uh, marriage can be messy, marriage can be challenging. It's because there's two people involved in that thing. And when you add all those those little kids, what the challenges increase. But I guarantee you if we begin to pursue that and grow in that, when, when I begin to just focus on this verse instead of verse 22, I know we all love verse 22, men. Wives, submit to your husbands as in the Lord. For husbands head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. That's absolutely scriptural. That's absolutely the basis, the foundation for a sound marriage. But it cannot operate healthy and be healthy without us pursuing that. What we can control, what we can direct is, is, is what we can do. And I tell you what, then it becomes a mutual competition to see who can bless the other one the most. That's what, it, that's what I see the picture of, the perfect picture of. You know, here's the thing. You're going to grow in that, in how to communicate what their needs are. You know, some, some people are really good at talking and communicating. And a, and a lot of times in a marriage, one is better than the other. And in, in fights, the, the one who's the better communicator is always going to win but also the one who's going to com- be- the better communicator is going to be the one who's probably going to seek- to be more fulfilled because they're going to communicate what their needs are better but sometimes the one the, the one who's the better communicator needs to be able to be uh, quiet and and listen and in fact seek God on what God what is the real problem here what is what does she need or what does he need so it becomes a competition here of God uh, and a competition uh, is maybe not a, the perfect word, but, but the challenge is is uh, not a comp- competition between the two of you. Yeah. Cody says, I'm the winner. Yeah, that's right. In the competition. I doubt that. <laughs> but here's the thing. It becomes a deal where we're, we're, not, we're not competing to win. We're competing to be the blessing. And you know, a, 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 sec, a, a successful house and a successful home is, is when when the two begin to be, be at work we begin to, to begin to identify God what, what does she need in order to feel secure and feel confident okay so going on to the point number two was to love your children unconditionally and if you'll just put up there first uh, Corinthians 3 four through seven I, I'm gonna well you can turn there first Corinthians 13 sorry. I tell you that right? Love is patient and kind. Love is not bo- jealous, boastful, or proud, continue, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice in injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I spent a lot of time in that, in, the, in that verse or in those verses last week. I don't want to spend too much time here, but because there's so much. But I want, to, I want you to use that verse as a, a life manual. This is the way I need to walk in, in the love of God. But ask yourself how that reflects on the way you and your wife interact, and you and your children. I'm talking about marriage, but also talking about parenting. And whether they're your children or maybe you're. You're in, a, in, a, in the opportunity of, of helping to raise stepchildren. It's a very, very difficult challenge to be a parent regardless of the circumstance of the situation. But we can ask ourselves, am I walking that out? How does, how does my interaction with my kids and my wife compare against those verses? You know, a lot of times we're teaching that, again, we're teaching these verses, this, uh, this uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 4 through 7, the love chapters, what that's we, we referred to. We're, we're teaching that about our life to the general world. But everything begins in the home. Everything begins, and the foundation is there. And if I can't do that for my family, it really doesn't, Matter what I do in the rest of the, with the rest of the world. So the challenge is: is first, can I walk that out among my in my in my home? Can I live by the example of, of what the word says, where love is patient? Can I have patience? Do I have patience for my kids? Oh, kids, man, they're 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 boy, they're irritating sometimes. Isn't that right? They I mean, push your buttons. Push your buttons. But, you know, patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful or proud. You know, men, if you admit it, maybe you've never felt this. You're probably rare if you have. But if you've got a great mom, it's pretty easy to get jealous about the fact that she puts them above you. Am I right? No, don't don't admit it. I mean, you know, a little, little—it it can come in there. She's spending more time with them. She's focusing more time there. Maybe, maybe most of, maybe some of you never even thought about that. One of the things I'd get jealous of, you know, there's seasons of life where you're working, you're you're leaving before they get up, and you're getting home after they go to bed, right? Especially when they're little. And I remember, man, being so excited about our oldest one walking, the first one, you know, man. I mean, she's walking. She's starting to toddle being toddler, and we didn't have phones and stuff back then, you know, I'd be out on the tractor, so I couldn't call or couldn't FaceTime, didn't get to see all this stuff unless I was present or actually there. You know, this time of year, we'd be working ground or we'd be baling hay or we'd be doing whatever. We'd be working 13, 14 hours a day, you know, leave at six o'clock in the morning, get home at 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night and do that for weeks. And but you'd, I'd try to shut down, my, my stepdad would go get on the tractor and leave me a couple hours with the, with the family in the evenings. I'd go home and eat supper. And I might be working the half section right there that our house was on. I remember this very distinctly, and I could see them, but I couldn't be with them. And some of the tractors that we had, yeah, these nice new buddy seat and all the area and the nice air that we didn't have that necessarily. So it wasn't an environment that we was going to put the kids on the tractor very much. And, and so I remember getting, getting off the tractor and coming home and, and, and you know, oh, you know, and you, you want that kid to come to you. Mom's over here trying to get a picture with the old click phone, you know, click not phone, click camera or, or maybe the video camera. And that baby just could walk right past me and go right to her. I was jealous. I was like, man, I want that. Well, see, what I began to realize was I had to figure out a way to balance those seasons of my life so that they didn't totally escape. How do you care for your family? Do what you need to do. and Not everybody's jobs are that demanding. But, but you know, I was blessed in, in some ways to be home a lot. In other times, there's times we're, we're, we're gone. Ministry is a funny thing, as I was always in, in uh, as well later on going into ministry and, and the connections there. There's all sorts of different challenges. You just have to figure out how to make those things important or balance those things. But it says not to be jealous, it says not to be uh, proud or rude. You know, I challenged you last week. I'll say it again ask yourself what's the tone of your voice? How do you respond? Sometimes we don't even realize it. Do we jump somebody, or, or do we say something in a way that that in their hearing? One of the things, especially with my 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 daughters, I always knew it's not what you say; it's what they hear. Not what you say; it's what they hear. Same way with your wife. You want to know one of the greatest ways to strengthen your child is to let them hear you talk good things about them when they don't think when when they don't know you can hear them. If they hear you talking about something great that they did or the good things about them, but you want to damage a child, you want to hurt a child, let them hear you making fun of them. Man, dads, especially you. Guard how you talk, especially to your daughters. Be very careful, cognizant, and and. There's sometimes you want to be honest with your daughter and you just need to be quiet. Daddy's <laughs> saying, you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. But there's women, there's women sometimes who grow up and they're they're trying to overcome the words of their father. I don't know why that <coughs> makes me. Emotional. Do the old bull riding deal. Never was one, but I see the bull riders do that. Love your children unconditionally. Make that your choice and your decision. You know, that goes for both of you as parents. The words we say, the way we respond, you don't always have to tell them they're perfect Again, don't lie to them, but be careful what you say, how you speak to them. Uh, Put your kids in a position that they can fail and grow, not fail and be condemned. You know, one of the things that mom did for me and and daddy daddy did this as well, but especially I, I know mom and and I, I know especially when she was raising us without after daddy died, she gave me and my sisters tasks to do. She did it to get us out of her hair. I don't know that she was as calculated as she realized. Okay, I will give her credit. I like think sometimes we do things accidentally. But she gave us things to do to keep us out of her hair. In other words, get out, get outside, go do something. She'd give us a task, but she would only give us pieces of it, and we had to figure it out. We'd do something and fail. We'd try something and and fall short. We'd we'd do something that wasn't perfect, and, and we'd get corrected, and we'd get more instruction, and we'd get better and better, but we were able to fail without being totally condemned. I can tell you this. Without patience, you'll go jerk that wrench out of that kid's hand, or you'll go straighten him out. I've done it. Not perfect. I've also realized it and set back. It's one of the reasons I'm excited about being a grandpa. And I like having young boys work for me. <laughs> Colton's been helping me. And man, he's learning. We'll just say it like that. I had him swathing. <laughs> this this Bermuda grass field that we swathed, it was running diagonal through the field, and I had one fence that I was kind of cutting uh, north, uh, northwest to southeast, and I said, hit that angle fence, and let's go down that. Go down and cut this and do this, and I said, you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. I come back about two hours later, and he's cutting this terrace like this, and he's driving a self-propelled swather he's never driven. He cannot drive this thing straight. And if you've ever drove a hydrostatic steering wheel, sticks, sticks are on, a, on a zero turn are different. Uh, you can drive them kind of straight pretty quick. That steering wheel thing, and I'd have to show, I finally sat with him for about an hour on there and just let him watch my hand, just adjust that steering wheel little by little, go down through there to straighten this out. I said, constantly be working on straightening this out because when I'm bailing this, this is going to really be irritating. <laughs> My son, I would have probably said, no, come on, you know. I would have been a lot tougher. Be patient when you need to be t- patient. Now, I realize most of us were, were raised by probably parents that weren't soft, weren't easy. My dad would have, I mean, jerked us, not in my tail, you know. It would have, have been a deal. and And there's nothing wrong with that either. But learn how to also be patient. Sometimes... <laughs> I here here's what I did and, and part of my part of my teaching is to instruct. i have been sending him after wrenches, Colton. I've been sending him after wrenches. He couldn't find this one wren this this he couldn't figure out what was a seven eighths and what was a three-eighths. He didn't know the difference. And so we're driving to get parts, driving over to Fairview to get parts. Work on the swather or baylor, I don't remember which one. And I'm driving over, I said, get out, I, I hand him my notebook. I got keeping cattle records in. I said, find an empty page. I said, write this down. I said, 5 16ths, 3 8ths, half, uh, 9 16ths. Yeah, all all the way through. Now I'm under pressure. I can't do it. (laughs) 5 8ths, you know, 11 16ths, 3 quarters, 7 8ths, 15 16ths, 1 inch. Now, for you who don't mechanic at all, you're, you're, what, you're like, what in the Sam Hill are you talking about? And I said, write those out so you can see them. And then I started going, and I said, which is bigger? Well, one inch. He figured that part out. So I said, now, find three-eighths, what's on either side of it. Find a half inch, what's on either side of it. I went down through as we were driving, instructing, just just trying to get him because I need him to be able to run to the toolbox and grab a wrench without spending fifteen minutes to do it. I'm I'm over here holding something or doing something. I'm like, hurry up, man, come on. The instruction. See, with our kids, will we have that patient willingness? You know, here's here's the other thing. Whatever they're doing, love them while they're trying things and failing. I always tell people I'm, I'm much more patient with other, other people's kids than our, and my own or was my own. So I'm telling you this because you got to be patient. Now, that doesn't mean you don't be tough. That doesn't mean you don't hold them to a line. Because here, one of these days they're going to work for a boss that might not be so nice. So them hearing you get on them, that's a good thing too. They need to be able to handle that, right? Some of you do a good job of that. Let me ask you this: Can you build an atmosphere in your home of unconditional love that gives them a safe place to grow? That's the challenge. Again, we're not going to be perfect in this. And sometimes, thank God, I had a, I had grand, I had grandmas. My grandpas both died early when I was young, but I had, I had a, I had a grandma that was teaching me, and a lot of things that my parents were too busy or too fast-paced or un, unable to, to to handle. So, as a grandparent, help them grow. The third thing is this, and I want to go on the on tips for men. The third thing is grow up. Be the man of the house. Grow up. Be the man of the house. You need to consider the responsibilities that you have as you are being a father. When you become a father, when you when you begin to, to, to have to lead in your home, that's the, the one of the greatest things that we're, has been lost in America today is the leadership in the home, and especially spiritual leadership. And wives, if your husbands aren't there yet, if they're not able to lead in that spiritual place, if they're not able to lead like you think they need to, don't henpeck them and and nag on them. Pray for them and spend time putting them, trying to encourage them to get around men that can teach that. I was very fortunate. Even though my dad died when I was young, I had men that taught me many of these things. Some Some things they taught me what not to do. I learned from both sides of that but I learned from some very good men. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. God's blessed me with the opportunity to to mentor and to guide men over the course of my life. And a lot of what I've been able to teach men are things I learned from other men, not just my father. My dad was a good dad. He was a good man. But he died young and he wasn't perfect. I'm thankful that I had multiple men to teach me. Verse 17 says, I'm warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's saying, men, grow up. I'm saying, men, grow up and guard your home. Lead in your home. Guard it against the the things that are trying to come into your home. You need to be willing to say, no, we're not going to watch that. We're not going to do that. You need to be willing to stand there and and wives together with your husband, you be a consistent, stable front. One of the things that the kids figure out really early, and in fact, they're taught by some of the shows. I watch some of the shows, and they're taught how to manipulate. And they will. I think by nature they figure this out. I don't really think they have to be taught. But there is plenty of information out there to teach a kid. It was funny. My one time, our, our, our daughter was in the in the dugout playing with a, some little Game Boy thing, little, little Game Boy thing, while her brother was playing baseball and I was coaching. And one of the other, they're behind the dugout. One of the other, one of the other little kids said. You know, man, that's old. Once you get a new one, you will oh no, I'm not getting a new one. And she said, well, just break it, then they'll have to get you a new one. Yeah. It's like, okay, uh, we don't need to be. And she came to us and she said, Dad, if I break this, will I get a new one? I said, Nope, not unless you pay for it. She said, That's what I told her. <laughs> she'd, she'd already figured that out. We've, we've already been down that road with her older brothers and sisters. There's a lot of things in this world that are trying to feed our, our 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 families. We need to be we need to be willing to guard, be the leaders in our home to guard against. And and you, as, as a husband and wife, become a become unified in this. I remember when Sue and I, before he was even married, we we were we were. I remember one specific conversation, sitting up by the Nash High School, which was then the uh, just an elementary gym was sitting there in Nash by that old school, and we were talking. We talked about the fact that we both wanted four kids. We weren't engaged yet. We, we Then we began to talk about how we disciplined them and what we would do. And you know, it was interesting and in how we'd raise them. We didn't go into depth. I mean, we were 17 years old or whatever, but... We, we begin that, and that's continued on. And, and listen, as a, as a couple, you guard your home, men, but hu- wives come alongside, and you guys have a unified front. Kids will manipulate you, and they'll divide you. And if you, dad doesn't give them what they want, they'll go to mom. And sometimes they'll manipulate the words just a little bit and say, well, you know, they just said it'd be okay. They'll, they'll do things like that. It's amazing how they figure that out. Now, here's the thing. Dad's or whoever, mom, dad, whoever's home with the kids more or established a something, whether you like it or not, stand with them. And then go in the other room or after you've gotten them busy doing something else, go discuss it. There's been times when she set a precedent or a a law that I said, oh, yo, no, I don't like that. I don't think this is right. But we didn't have that discussion in front of the kids. Because why? They, then they see a divided front. And, and see, here's the thing. we got to hold the line. And if I get home and, and mom has said no, I'm not going to undo that. I'm going to hold that line. I'm going to stand with her in that. And if again, if I don't like it, then we're going to talk about it. But we become unified because if we become unified, that's where the strength is. But men, you got to raise, be raised up and in, in grown up in your spiritual development and growth so that you understand and know the will of the Lord, the Word of God, and you can be that guard, that spiritual guard over your home. The responsibility is really on you first. And that's the things that we get, that we got to, to take charge of. Now listen, if you're past these years, or you're older and you, you, you've made mistakes, then learn so that you can help teach others. You know, we can teach those behind us by things we've done wrong without condemning ourselves to, man, I wish I could do that again. We can't. So live and learn. That's one of my favorite sayings. I used to tell my kids that all the time. They fail, I say live and learn. And what the meaning of that is, is I'm going to take this as an education point and I'm going to grow from it. I'm going to get to this other side of this and I'm, I'm I'm going to learn from it. But we need to grow. Notice he says, rather you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I need to put myself in a position that I'm going to grow spiritually so that I can understand and follow the will and the direction and the plan of God for my life and for my children's life and for my wife's life. And boy, I tell you what, it's a heavy responsibility. It's it's a weight. But God never asks us to do anything without empowering us to get it done by the help of the Holy Spirit and the instruction of His Word. All we have to do is say, God, I can't do this. He's he's loving this when we say that. Don't stay there because the Word says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but i got to begin with admitting the fact that I need God. I need His help. You may be the strongest man in the world, and yet you still need God. And it's not weakness to admit that, God, I don't know it all. I don't know everything. Unfortunately, we, we, we sometimes... Want to get prideful and say, "Well, no, I know best." The other thing I want to I want to get to today is the fourth point: is this is be there, be present in their lives. We all have twenty four hours; the same twenty four hours we've got to make it count. You know, we can let life consume our time. Sometimes we have to grow up and 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 grow up and change, maybe our hobbies. I know most men. It, Had a hobby that took them away, and then once they had kids, they said, Okay, well, I guess it's not, I guess that's gonna have to slow down. Not gonna get to rope as much, not gonna get to golf as much, not gonna get to hunt as much, whatever it is, until you get those kids to the point that you can take them with you. And as I took them with me, it changed everything. Hobbies are good, and men need an opportunity to unhitch and unwind and all of those things, those are good. But when it comes at the expense of your family, then it's something different. But we need to be there and be present. You're not required to be at every event. You can't be. I remember when our son was playing high school baseball. Man, them high school baseball games are long. Good grief, man. Two hours, two and a half hours. I'm like, man, in the middle of the day? It's like, dude, sorry, buddy. I can't make every one of these games. But I tried to make them. And here's the thing. Today with phones and video, man, you can, you can almost be there. I'd be constantly texting Sue, man. I'd say, all right, what's the score? What's the score? Pretty soon she'd be involved in the game and, and not be texting me, so I'm texting one of my buddies that I think might be there. He's, I'm not there either. And I'd go down through another list. What's the score, man? I need to know. I wanted to be there. I couldn't always be there. we got to understand that. But here's the thing. Before in the preparation, I was there in some way. Whatever it was. And it don't matter if they're, if they want to be a, if they're good at chess or whatever, figure out, download an app, do, you know, figure out, get on YouTube, figure out how to do it. But become what they need to be and be connected with them in some way or fashion. Be there. Be there in the beginning, in the preparation, and be there in the afterwards, in the joys and also the, the, the downtime when it didn't go the way it should have. Be there to pick them up when they fail. Be there for them. Make sure they know you're thinking about them regularly. One of the things that I tried to do, and again, I wish I'd have done a lot more of this and done it better, but one of the things I would do is I'd take sticky notes and I'd write a scripture or I'd give them a a good quote or I'd give them something to encourage them, let them know I was thinking about them, leave it on their uh, door, leave it as they got older, obviously, when they could read. What's amazing was most of my kids... Would save those, and then they'd write themselves notes. That was what was really cool. Is I'd stick by their light figure, uh, on the way out of their room. You know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, or whatever the scripture might be, and an encouraging word. Love you, buddy. Go in there a week later, and he's got four of them he'd written himself. The daughters did the same things. It's pretty cool to see. But listen, we got to try to manage our time. Make every, make, make every moment count. One of, the, one of my mentors taught me, he said, always have something with you to do. If you ever get caught in downtime, caught in traffic, I've only lived in a place once in a while that had traffic. The other day, did you see my have you friends on Facebook? I, I sent, a, I had a post. I was like, uh, traffic jam on County Road 60. There was a skunk running down the road. <laughs> my daughter threw him to Dallas, text me. She said, Dad, I love that. That made my day. But you know what? Here's the thing. I used to have times where we'd be stuck in traffic a short period of time in my life or, or you'd be at an office waiting on somebody go, getting ready to go into the doctor's office, go somewhere, have a book, have something to read. Do more than just flip through your phone. You know, have something there to, to grow and, 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 but, but always make sure that you're trying to grow in areas and ways that you can grow and be, be beneficial to others. Fifth thing is this, provide stability. Let's look at Luke chapter 6. We're wrapping this up, but Luke chapter 6. I want to get to a couple more things real quick. This is for young men, older men. Maybe it's for you who might be watching online. Luke chapter uh, 6, verse 46. Provides stability. You know, one of the number one needs of a woman is stability or uh, security. And one of the reasons, if not the number one, I think it's considered the number one need. Well, your kids are the same way. Being stable and having stability in the home, this makes a happy home. Look at verse uh, 46. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what, you're, what what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teachings, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep. And lays a foundation on solid rock. And when the flood rises, come or flood flood waters rise, and break against that house, it stands firmly because it was well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey is like a person who builds a house without foundation. When the uh, flood sweeps down against that house, it'll collapse into into heap a heap of ruins. You know, he's talking about a life. But I can say your home is the same way. When we build it on a foundation of the Word, when we build it on a foundation of the rock of the Word, now I wrote a few things down here. Build yourself into a man that's predictable. Something amazing about what the Word of God does in our life. It begins to make us consistent. The character of God begins to be a part of us. All of a sudden, we begin to walk in the fruits of the spirit: and love, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness. All these things, but we begin to be predictable. We, 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 it's not a surprise when we come home, and or or they don't have to wonder how I'm going to respond. It ought to be a rare thing that you're that you're losing it, out of control, or even down. Consistency. Now listen. It's not condemning anybody who struggles with these things. I, used to, I struggled with those things. I struggled with my temper. I struggled with, with being whatever. I ain't always been this perfect. <laughs> Trust me, I'm not. That's a joke. But again, the one I can control is me. I want to work, and I want to work, and I want to work to grow in me. And I want to build my life and my home to make me and, and me become a man who's stable. I've been the coach that almost got thrown out of a game. I've been the player that almost got thrown out of a game. Actually, I got thrown out of a game one time. That was, a, that was a long time ago, another story. But, you know, I want to be consistent. I want to be predictable. I want my wife and my kids to be, to know when I hit the door what, that, that I'm going to be something consistent. I don't want them to live in wonderment of, of what, what's the day going to be like today. Now listen, there's a lot of things that cause us to be inconsistent. All right, There's a lot of emotional damage, baggage, all kinds of things. Again, don't take that as condemnation. Take that as this is this becomes my new goal because here's the thing. God at work in the heart of a man can transform him. I've watched it with you guys. I've watched it all these years. No matter how, how far down you are, when God begins to create something in you and build something in you, you begin to be transformed into a new man. But we got to be willing to build our house on the rock, on the word of God. And when we're willing to do that, if we're willing to do that, he begins to transform and change us, and he does it in, in and through our heart. You know, <clears throat> we need to we need to desire to have strong character. We need to be fair and we need to be honest. Fair and honest with our kids, fair and honest with our wife, fair and honest with those around us, and fair and honest with ourselves. Be fair to yourself, but be honest with yourself. Be fair and honest so that you can, you can allow yourself room for failure while you're growing in success or to into the man you want to be. God will continue to, to shape, mold, and change us. Being consistent is is something that brings stability. You know, it might start with changing a habit. I'm going to quit waking up at, I I don't know, I'm just throwing out ideas, but, you know, if you've got to leave the house at 7 o'clock, don't wake up at 15 till, wake up at 6. So that you build in time to be consistent, maybe being consistent in a habit of, I'm going to get into the Word first thing before I do anything else. Creating an atmosphere, creating a good habit. Learn to love yourself in the process of that. Embrace who you are instead of always comparing yourself to somebody else. I, I got our friends from Arkansas were here last, last week, and man, David, he, he's a phenomenal guy. He, on the outside, he just looks like he, he can anything he does is just easy. It's irritating. Looks like he doesn't have to work for anything. And I have to work for everything. Anything that I did, it's like it doesn't seem like anything just comes simple and easy. This guy can—he was good at everything. He fishing, I mean, he could bass fish. I'd, I'd go try I, once in a while. I'd outfish him. I think he just let me because he's my friend. Softball—when we played softball, competitive softball over there, man. This guy was shortstop, and he was—he was a stud. I mean, he was, and he's—you know—older than me. We were running around, of course, we were in our 30s. The the guy, I could compare myself to him and always be less, or I just enjoy and embrace who I am and realize, you know what? It is what it is. I told Sue one time, I said, you know, they talk about tall, dark, and handsome. At least you got one of the three. (laughs) Don't compare yourself to others. (laughs) Oh, you know. Final thing is this: I want you to, I want you to, I want to close this. You want to prepare your kids to be productive adults. There's a lot that could go into this, and I, I can't. I'm, I'm not going to take the time. But, or, I mean, we may get into it. I, I, just focusing on just, just parenting at some point. People get paid to do two things, or paid for knowing two things. Or what they know and what they can do. There's two things they get paid for: what they know and what they can do. You know, we got to ask ourselves: Am I teaching my kids how to learn, to grow in knowledge, and how to develop skills? And I don't care. I don't care what you what you do in life, but that's those are the things that you you get paid to do. What they know and what they can do. If you know more than others and can do what others can't, you'll get paid more than others do. So we're to challenge, we're to grow our kids so that they are able in those things, in, in certain things. We're to train them up. Boy, one of the things, and I'm running out of time, we're out of time here, but one of the things to train them up in is how to manage time and money. I'll just close with that thought, think about that. If you can teach your kids how to manage money, that's a valuable thing, but if you can teach them how to manage time, First thing you got to do is manage yours. If you're always late and always behind or whatever, I mean, you can't manage time, then you need to work on that, okay? I understand. Managing time is a challenge. But here's the thing. Teach them how to manage time. Teach them how to be prepared. Teach those things and educate them on those things. And you know what? Here's the thing. All four of our kids, well, three of the four were, were valedictorians, not because they were necessarily the smartest, but they were responsible. They got their stuff in, turned in. We, we did that part right. A's and phallicitorium is not a goal. It doesn't necessarily need to be a goal. But teaching them how to manage their time and be responsible, teaching them how to take responsibility for their actions, all those things are valuable. So as we close today, you know, listen, this is a challenge not only to men but also to their wives. But if you'll take these things, and I've got a few more points, but if you'll take these things and, 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 and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm really good in this area, I'm weak in this one. Or Lord, help me to, to, to put these things together so that I can walk in, in the character of God, so that I can learn how to be strong, how to be consistent, so that I can be the leader in my home. If you purpose to do it, God will absolutely meet you and continue to grow you. So let's, let's stand and let's just prepare our hearts to receive and ask God just to, just to settle this word in our hearts. One of the things that we got to do in the process of all this is being, be willing to forgive maybe parents that weren't the best. Let go of that. And forgive yourself for the areas that you've failed. But you put it in the tr- and trust it to God's hands and He'll grow you. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today and I thank you, Lord. And Father, I praise you and I thank you that this word is... is word a roadmap by your word and and things that you bring that enable us to build our life, our house on the word and our home on the word so that it withstands whatever storm and whatever challenge that life brings. We're gonna face challenges. We're gonna we're gonna have things in life. But Lord, I ask you to guide and direct us in those things. Lord, I praise you and I thank you. It begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if somebody's here that or watching that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord. I pray that today that you'll turn to the Lord. And say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord, receive me as as your child, and I receive you as my Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and life. When we pray that prayer, when we believe on the Lordship of Jesus Christ, things begin to change. And God, I thank you and I praise you that they'll be there. To, to, you'll be there to walk them through.